If you have been married for any length of time, you know it requires consistent communication, selflessness, and sacrifice in order to thrive. But how can we elevate our spouse and our marriage to the next level by championing them? That's what we're talking about today on Bloom. I'm your host, Jennifer Robinson, for May 5th, 2023. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with Jesus and others. So if you are new to the podcast, Bloom launches a new episode on the first Friday of every month. We just finished a two-part series on consumerism in the church. So if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and have a listen. Also, while you're there, leave a comment because I would love to hear from you. And if Bloom blesses you in your faith, please subscribe and share with a friend. All right, so today I'm going to take you down a little trip of how I arrived at this topic on marriage. So I was recently sitting with my husband, Jesse, contemplating what the next podcast topic should be. He was deep in concentration, drawing up football plays at his computer while I said a prayer and searched my brain for an idea, as is my normal process. And after several minutes, it hit me. Us. I should talk about us. Well, marriage, to be exact. I couldn't believe that Bloom is three years old, and I have yet to speak on one of the topics that I am most deeply passionate about. And then I got to thinking, the world is full of thoughts and opinions on marriage, some incredibly encouraging, while others, not so much. In 2007, Jesse and I were in engagement bliss and eager to begin our lives together. It was required by the church we were attending at the time for all soon-to-be newlyweds to have premarital counseling. Now, we were excited to receive all the knowledge and insight from someone wiser and further down the road with their spouse. There aren't many memorable moments from those sessions, but I will never forget how the pastor began. He said, there are three rings in marriage, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. (laughs) Then he appropriately prayed before continuing, maybe an attempt to redeem his comment. Jesse and I just sat there with blank stares. It was definitely not what we were anticipating. And you might be thinking, there is some truth in his statement, right? But reflecting on that, I felt confident if I was going to speak about marriage, I had more than that little gem to offer the world. But then I also realized there are tons of podcasts and resources out there that talk about biblical marriage and offer tools and all these successful nuggets of wisdom. So how could I contribute? Marriage is such a broad conversation, right? There's finances, parenting, trust, communication, love, respect. So how would I narrow down the scope to focus on one particular but maybe less discussed aspect of marriage? Then I asked myself, what do Jesse and I excel at in our marriage? A good question for every couple to ask themselves. Now, if we could pull back the curtain on anyone's marriage, we'll uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly real quick. We'll see the flesh at work, the character flaws, the hang-ups and weaknesses, all thrown into the mix of two ordinary people who have made a conscious decision to say, I do, each and every day to each other. But if I want to speak into an aspect of marriage, I want it to be an area that we are good at. Not necessarily saying we've fully mastered, but maybe a little ahead of the curve. So I thought about it. If someone were to pull back the curtain on our marriage, what would they discover that we do well and could help them thrive in their own marriage? And the answer came to me right away. We exceptionally champion one another. 
So I'm going to pull back the curtain and give you a glimpse of what we have learned in our nearly 16 years of marriage. So growing up, I didn't play a lot of sports. I signed up for cross country because I thought it was a club for Christians, (laughs) just going off of the name cross country. I remember that first meeting, I hadn't run more than half a mile before I realized that maybe this wasn't exactly what I thought. And doesn't Proverbs say the wicked run when no one is chasing them? So this was just altogether silly. In high school, I did end up running track for um, two seasons as a sprinter, but none of the sports I was involved in were team sports. So I never understood that feeling of putting my arm around a teammate after a defeating loss, never sat on the locker room benches listening to the inspirational halftime speech that led up to like that all team battle cry. I never experienced the opportunity to be pushed or to push someone towards a goal and then experiencing the magnificent moment when all the sweat and tears pay off for the big win. Jesse, on the other hand, was an extraordinary athlete, defying the laws of physics and probability. But most importantly, stepping into marriage, I think Jesse understood what it meant to be a teammate. And when you become one flesh, you are automatically on the same team together with Jesus. But even in spite of our differences of sports backgrounds, from the very beginning, it was evident that we were going to champion one another. So first, let's talk about the word champion and how it specifically relates to marriage. Now, the word champion means a person who fights for a cause or on behalf of someone else. Now, in the context of marriage, a champion can be someone willing to carry a torch in the relationship when the spouse is struggling, someone willing to let go of any selfish ambition to allow their spouse to shine, and maybe also to encourage the other spouse towards success, whether that be spiritual, relational, or personal success. That is championing your spouse. Now, let's further break it down. What does championing your spouse look like? Now, each marriage is uniquely diverse, and no marriage is completely alike. We all know that. But when it comes to being a champion for your spouse, Jesse and I have summarized it into three categories. Now, just like teams face an opponent, we're going to unpack three categories that each have a this or that component. And you'll see what I mean shortly. So number one, we're going to discuss coached, versus criticized. Now, here enters the this or that that I mentioned. So coached versus criticized. So in other words, we're talking about the difference between coaching and criticism. Now, when Jesse and I got married, I realized that championing him towards his career goals and spiritual goals was no problem for me at all. I loved cheering him on, rooting for him, and being that voice of encouragement when he needed it from time to time. But being the girl that never was a part of team sports, I wasn't challenged by a close peer before. So I couldn't recognize the drastic difference from coaching to criticism. And when it came time for Jesse to push me towards my goals and stop making excuses, I wouldn't want to receive it because I perceived what was his coaching as a personal attack on me. I felt criticized. Now, he would be genuinely trying to help me without any selfish motive, but I didn't want to be coached. Now, the very first time I recall this was about a year after having our son, our second child, and the pregnancy weight hadn't melted off quite as quick or as easy as it did the first time around. I was 
extremely discouraged. I absolutely hated clothes shopping. I went from someone who loved fashion to settling for a closet full of t-shirts and baggy sweats. And Jesse kept reassuring me that I was beautiful and he loved me just as I was, like every good husband would say to his wife, but I wasn't convinced that I was beautiful. I wasn't happy with my new body. Now, he listened to me complain for months about it, even though I didn't change my eating habits, I didn't exercise, and Iced International Delight Coffee had basically become a primary food group. But then, one day, I was in the dressing room at one of my favorite stores trying on jeans. Now, jean shopping might as well come with the warning meltdown in progress, right? But I had decided enough's enough. I'm done wearing maternity jeans with the huge band of elastic around my long since pregnant belly. And after trying on a pair that I predicted would fit, I had to go up a size. Then I had to go up a size again. And then I had to go up a size again. Until I was in full-blown tears in the dressing room because the jeans didn't fit. And that's when the coach came out in Jesse. After we left, Jesse lovingly but firmly said to me, if you're not happy with how you look, then do something about it. Not for anyone else, but for you. Then he asked me, what have you done to do anything about it? Then he gave me some suggestions. I almost plugged my ears and stopped listening when he suggested laying off the iced coffee. You know, to him, the name should have been International Diabetes instead of International Delight because it was pretty much just loaded with sugar and cream. But it was just part of my survival guide, I think, as a young mom. You know, I reluctantly kept listening to him, you know, because really, like, what else could I do? And then he offered to show me what exercises I could do and how I could change my eating habits. But not only that, he also asked what I needed from him in order to help me make it happen. Run beside me as we push the kids when they're bundled in the jogging stroller or stay home with the kids so I could run in total silence. He offered to hold me accountable when I wanted to make those late night runs to pick up tacos and simply encourage me every step of the way. He coached me. He championed me. He wasn't critical, but he endorsed me, encouraged me, and empowered me toward success. You know, one of my favorite passages on marriage is in Ecclesiastes. In chapter four, verse nine, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Now, there will be ebbs and flows in your marriage when you step forward and coach your spouse and other times when they step forward to help coach you. But together, you are on the same team, there to support, encourage, and see each other through. When I was struggling, Jesse carried the torch for me in order that I could make the necessary changes that would improve my life and achieve my health and fitness goals. And he continues to faithfully coach me in that way even now. And I'm grateful that I am not in the race alone. He's running right beside me, pushing me every step of the way. And I say that with full sincerity. All right, number two, humility versus honor. Now, if you didn't know, marriage requires a large dose of humility. In several scenarios with our spouse, we have to decide whether we are going for humility or personal honor. For instance, there might come a time when your plans, your dreams, or your hopes will have to take a back seat for your spouse. 
Part of championing your spouse, part of carrying the torch for your spouse is that you're not just there to help them hold the torch, but you are keeping their torch burning. Now, false humility can be enough to lift the torch, but genuine humility is needed to fan the flame. Pulling the curtain back just a little farther, it was our fourth year of marriage. Our daughter was eight months old. And at the time, Jesse and I were in a transitional period. We had moved out of our apartment to his parents in order to save for a down payment on a house. Now, we were anticipating our big down payment breakthrough when we received our tax return that February. And we had already discussed and mapped out everything of how the money would best be used. And not long after we received our tax return, we looked at this little ranch on the other side of town. Now, it needed some TLC, but I was immediately locked in to full DIY HGTV mode, and I was ready to go. When we finished the showing, Jesse told the realtor that we would talk about it and get back with them. Soon afterwards, we found ourselves sitting in the car of a Target parking lot, getting ready to pick up diapers. And, you know, if we happened to go by the home decor section, so be it. But before Jesse turned the car off, he dropped some heavy news. He said, you know, I've been thinking. Always a scary way for your spouse to begin a sentence. He said, you know, I have always wanted to coach football, right? I remember my slow, yes. (laughs) I think the Holy Spirit was already bracing me for what he was about to say. And he continued, well, I only need to finish a semester of school in order to graduate and begin my teacher's license. Now, Jesse had been working in sales for the past couple of years, but had talked several times about finishing school and getting his teacher's license so he could coach football because his random and long sales hours would never allow him the time to coach. And I wanted that for him. Plus, we had agreed that education would be a much more stable career than his current dead-end sales job. Now, I was willing to hold the torch enough to say, hey, I support that dream. But the time had now come for me to determine whether I would just hold the torch or would I fan the flame. Because you see, the problem was financial aid hadn't completely covered his last semester in college, and he had to pay the remaining balance in full in order to sign up for classes and finish. And coincidentally, our tax return was just about the exact amount he needed to pay off the balance. I suddenly didn't feel up to looking at throw pillows and curtains anymore. So Jesse went into the store to grab the size one Pampers diapers for our baby girl while I sat in the car. You see, having a home had been my dream, even as a little girl. I quickly felt like it wasn't only our sleeping daughter sitting in the back seat, but now my dream was in the back seat too. And so I cried. But I soon pulled myself together enough to ask God what to do, and I felt he was prompting me to agree and support Jesse to finish school. My dream had to take a back seat in order for Jesse to have a chance at his. Now, if humility was a bank account, I feel like I just made a huge withdrawal, but I also felt peace about it. Ecclesiastes 4, 10 and 11 reminds us about two people, that if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? 
Jesse wanted my support in this decision that we were making. I knew I had a part in this. It was choosing humility over honor, choosing his dream in the present moment over mine, championing my spouse. Recently, we watched the movie A League of Their Own as a Family. And if you haven't seen it, it is such a great movie. And the movie takes place during World War II when the men were being called to serve on the battlefield, putting a halt on American baseball. Now, it was determined that women who were skilled players would leave their kitchens and homes to join the first ever Women's Baseball League. And two of the main characters in the movie are sisters, Dottie and Kit. Now, all throughout the movie, Dottie was always the show-stopping player. She was the best in the league, and everybody knew it, while her kid sister, Kit, was always living in her shadows. But at the end of the movie, as each sister, their teams, are playing against each other for the national title, Dottie secretly, but completely intentionally, drops a catch as Kit slides into home plate, causing Kit's team to win. You see, Dottie wanted to give her younger sister the opportunity to take the spotlight. She wanted to champion her. All right, are we ready for number three? Opportunity versus opponent. Marriage leaves a lot of room for disagreements and upsets. At times, a lot of couples forget that they are on the same team and begin treating each other like they're the enemy. Now, being on the same team means you are called to collaborate with your spouse, not compete against them. And let's be clear, there is only one enemy, and it is not your spouse. So when I began vocational ministry, the dynamics in our home changed. And then when Jesse began his first season as a full-time college coach, those dynamics changed again. Now, it would be easy, considering both of us are in demanding roles, not to mention we're sleep-deprived and completely drained of energy, and we have two preteen kids that we're raising, it'd be easy to fight over things like who cleans the bathroom, or when is the laundry getting done, or who's running to the store, who's getting this errand complete, and who's taking the kids to this appointment. We each had to pivot our game plan. There was give and take on both sides. There were nights when both of us had work to do, so who was going to load the dinner dishes into the dishwasher? Now, instead of arguing which one of us was being the better team player or competing against one another as to whose work was more important to get done, we learned to tackle the situation as an opportunity. So rather than seeing one, other, one another as an opponent, we stepped into a new level of not just fanning our spouse's flame, but holding our torch together for a stronger, unified, longer-lasting purpose. When I stepped into ministry, Jesse took on more housework. When Jesse stepped into full-time college coaching, I learned how to mow the grass and trim the lawn edges. When I started Bloom, Jesse helped me add the intro and outro music. When he was in the office for long days on Sundays, I sent him in with homemade goodies for the coaching staff. In our perspective roles, we knew the only way things would work is if we viewed it as an opportunity to join together. Football wasn't just his ministry. It was our ministry. Serving at Grace wasn't just my ministry. It was our ministry. And there were days when my role was extra demanding and he jumped in to help in every opportunity he could. 
And then there were other times his job required long hours away and I took charge over the family task that needed to get done. You and your spouse are on the same team. You are one flesh. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Work for each other, not against each other. We accomplish so much more for God's kingdom when we stop fighting against our spouse and begin to fight for our spouse. Work as a team, not as opponents. If we really want to champion our spouse well, it will require coaching, endorsing them, encouraging them, and empowering them, carrying their torch. It will require humility, putting your spouse before yourself, not just carrying their torch, but fanning the flame. And finally, it will require accepting opportunity, opportunity to work together as teammates and co-laborers, not as opponents, holding the torch together. Communication, mutual respect, and love, these are necessary ingredients in a thriving marriage. But don't forget the importance of championing your spouse. I think it's made one of the biggest differences in our relationship. And a lot of times when we see couples struggling to survive, there is a lack of championing one another. And let me challenge and encourage you with this. If your spouse doesn't champion you well, show them by championing them well first. Now, I'm looking forward to part two of this topic. Love for you to tune in next month as Jesse will be joining me in the studio to further talk about how we champion one another and how that third strand in our marriage is the essential key to everything. In the meantime, keep growing and God bless.